850 KFUO Worldwide at KFUO.org. Hi, this is Gary Duncan. You're listening to the Midday Moments program. It's time now for our Moment in Scripture segment with Pastor Matt Clark of Ascension Lutheran Church in South St. Louis. Good afternoon, Pastor Clark. How are you doing? Good afternoon, Gary. Doing well, trying to keep warm. Yeah, it's pretty cold and all that snow, too. Our readings this week were 1 Samuel 16 to 23, and uh, we start off our readings where Samuel anoints David. And then, of course, we get into David and Goliath. And I remember that story well from uh, many times in Sunday school, learning about David and Goliath. Oh, yeah. Saul begins to fear David, and and Saul also uh, tries or would like to kill David, but his uh, his son uh, kind of uh, intervenes there. I think it was Jonathan. That's he right. spoke yeah. very well of David to Saul. And uh, then also we go into uh, more information, more stories about David and Jonathan as we read into our, our readings this week. What would you like to highlight this week for us? Well, it is about Saul and it's about David. And I think that we see different contrasts take place again and again. Uh, one of the contrasts is from our reading last week that we talked about a little on the air about Saul being anointed king and how uh, Samuel goes to him and Saul is maybe everything you'd expect in a king. He's good looking. He's taller than everyone else. He's from a, a wealthy family. This guy surely is going to be king. And, and he is anointed king. And God does choose him to be king for that time. David, he's, he's a different story. And that's what we hear about in chapter 16, when Samuel comes to find who that next king is, who God has chosen. He looks over the uh, sons of Jesse, and uh, Jesse parades in front of him, his seven sons, his seven oldest sons. And the first son comes out, and, and Samuel right away, well, surely this has got to be the guy. This is the next king. He's the firstborn. And the Lord reminds Samuel, the prophet, uh, and I love this in verse 6 of chapter 16, do not look on his appearance or the height of his stature, because I've rejected him. For the Lord sees not as man sees. Man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. And we, we hear and see that all throughout Scripture, how uh, God chooses uh, so many people that we wouldn't dream would be the person that would be called to do a particular task, you know? <laughs> we always uh, would choose the prominent person, the best-looking person, the biggest, strongest, toughest, you know? But that's not the case when God picks. That's exactly it. That's exactly it. God looks on the heart, and maybe he does that with a purpose, maybe to show us that it's not ourselves, it's not our own strengths or smarts or power or money or whatever it is, but no, it's him. It's him at work in us. Uh, a great reminder to us. And I think the ultimate example of that is that that suffering servant that Isaiah talks about. We think of Isaiah chapters 52 and 53, and, and ultimately, uh, we look to Christ, pointing ahead to Christ, that uh, he is one that his appearance wouldn't perhaps attract people to himself, a uh, lowly, and certainly at his death, beaten even and bloody. And yet, God the Father does great things through his Son. The Lord looks at the heart and the heart of Jesus, that pure heart that beats for each one of us and then stopped beating for us on the cross. But now it's beating again because he rose from the dead. Thanks be to God. Uh, but yeah, just another example, and I think that ultimate example of God looking at the heart and not just outward appearances to put our faith in. And then I, I think that just continues that theme of God using the lowly, the unexpected, and certainly that familiar account perhaps to us of David and Goliath 
bears that out too. It is familiar, and many of us have heard it in Sunday school growing up. But uh, still, every time I read it, I think I still get new insight from it, and there's still much to be learned from it. I, I love right. that. Now, David was uh, the youngest son, right? Yes. Uh huh. And the shepherd? That's right. Youngest son, shepherd. And in David and Goliath's account, he's not going to defeat Goliath. That's not why he sent at least. That's not why his dad sends him. His dad doesn't even send him to fight in this battle. He sends him just to bring provisions to his older brothers as they fight and to the other soldiers too. That's it. That's all he's supposed to be doing. But David gets there and he's appalled by what he sees. Philistines on one side of the valley, the Israelites on the other side. And this champion, as the Bible calls him, named Goliath, comes out and every day just mocks the Israelites and mocks their God, the Lord, the one true God. And again, David just can't take it anymore. Um, So he says, I'll fight Goliath. Now, Goliath, again, he's a champion. If Goliath wins, then the Philistines win. If whoever goes against Goliath wins from the Israelites, well, then the Israelites win. The victory's theirs. And Goliath is outfitted to kill. Uh, He wears this coat of armor that weighs, we're told, about 125 pounds. He has this huge spear whose head weighs about 14 pounds. So I mean, about as much as a bowling ball. (laughs) So this guy is one big dude and he is out to do battle. He means business. Uh, David, on the other hand, uh, doesn't wear any armor as he goes out to Goliath, but instead he just takes with him his staff and five smooth stones from a brook and puts him in a shepherd's pouch and then a sling. And that's it. That's all he uses as he approaches battle with this huge giant of a man, who, by the way, is about nine feet tall, the scriptures tell us. So Goliath, he starts to mock David when he sees him come, and he says, come to me, I'll give your flesh to the birds of the air and to the beasts of the field. And then David, I, I love this, has the statement of faith here in verse 45 of chapter 17. David said to the Philistine, you come at me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come at you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel whom you have defiled. This day, the Lord will deliver you into my hand and I will strike you down and cut off your head. Um, So David already acknowledges the victory is going to be the Lord's. Uh, It's it's not because of David. It's not because of his slingshot or his experiences as a a shepherd protecting the sheep. Uh, No, it's going to be the Lord. The Lord's the one who's protected him in the past from wild animals. He's the one who's going to protect him from this Philistine and give him victory. Uh, and that's exactly what happens. David takes a slingshot. He lets a stone fly. It's It hits him. First shot, one and done. Uh, it sinks into Goliath's head and he falls to the ground. And then David takes Goliath's sword and cuts off his head with it. And uh, the giant of a man, Goliath, is surely dead. I think one other point here. David sees as part of the purpose, too, in verse 46 of that victory. He says, uh, in that victory, all the earth will know that there is a God in Israel. I think that's neat, too. So David views that victory not as an opportunity to exalt himself or to show what a great warrior he is, but that God would be glorified among the Philistines, among the Israelites. And and what I think is neatest is among us today, too. Here we are centuries later, and we're talking on KFUO about the same account. And even still, over the centuries, uh, this is still giving glory to God, the victory that he gave uh, to David. So I guess, Gary, you know, just to kind of to, to wrap up, um, you know, the, the greatest in the kingdom of heaven isn't what we would expect all the time. Uh, right. Sometimes the, the, the greatest in the kingdom of heaven is much different than who would be greatest in the kingdoms of this world. 
you know, Jesus and that's also even, maybe a, a, a way for us to realize that it's God doing these things, because you look at in David's case, he wasn't the the biggest brother or the strongest brother, you know, he was smaller in stature, and uh, he is the one that, that we say he has taken down Goliath, but really it was God through him. Yeah, exactly. I, I think that's a big part of it that through these lowly things. There's no mistaking it is God at work. It's not just some shepherd boy with a slingshot, but no, it's it's God at work. Uh, thanks be to God. And he does that time and time again throughout the scriptures. And again, how he uses simple things today, uh, like water and baptism, bread and wine and communion. Those are simple, ordinary things. They're not, they're not powerful in and of themselves. God is at work. He is the one behind this. Mm-hmm. The uh, word of God. Most definitely. And I love how, you know, Jesus even brings that up, how he uses children as an example of faith, you know, a childlike faith. The greatest in the kingdom of heaven must be like a child. Again, it's not about us. No, it's about God in us and what he's done for us and the faith that he blesses us with through his word and spirit and and through the proclamation of that word and and things like KFUO Radio, right, Gary? So thanks be to God for that, Uh, how he he works those great things in our lives through those ordinary means. Right. Can you lead us in a prayer? Sure, I'd be happy to. Uh, Heavenly Father, you look at the heart of people, not the outward appearance. Grant that we too would not judge people by by outward appearances and how they look, but that we would love others as we're called to do. Lord, help us also to recognize that we are not powerful in and of ourselves. No, no we, we are nothing. We thank you, Lord, that because of you, though, we are someone, someone loved by Christ, someone for whom Christ died. Lord, help us to find our confidence in those ordinary things uh, that are made extraordinary through your promise and your word. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks so much, Pastor. Yeah, you're welcome, Gary. And uh, for those who are listening, if you'd like to read along with us uh, through the Bible in two years, if you keep up, uh, we're reading 1 Samuel 24 through 31. So that's chapter 24 through the end of the book. Sounds good. Thank you. Look forward to talking to you about that next week. Thanks. We are the messenger of good news worldwide at KFUO.org, AM 850 here in the St. Louis region.